It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 228, The Prophet Zechariah, Part 1. During the time of the temple project, and working closely with the prophet Haggai, another prophet's voice was honored. His name was Zechariah. And again, we don't know a lot about the person, but much about the time period. Zechariah's word came forth. Zechariah 1, 3. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your ancestors now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? Then they repented and said, The Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. What comes next is one of one of his visions. And Zechariah will have at least a dozen of them. And they're short, to the point, and almost proverbial in nature in their interpretation. But they're also revelatory. I mean, he has this common occurrence with the angel of the Lord coming to him and almost having these conversations, but they're uh, they're almost like a, he's this outsider looking in, but he's a part of the experience. It's interesting. Zechariah 1.7, And on the 24th day, the 11th month, the month of Shebat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. During the night I had a vision, and there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. I asked, What are these, my lord? The angel who was talking with me answered, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, I will show you what they are. The man standing among the myrtle trees explained, They are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees. We have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and peace. Then the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah, which you have been angry with these seventy years? So the Lord spoke kindly and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. Then the angel who was speaking to me said, Proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. I am very angry with the nations that feel secure. I was only a little angry, but they went too far with their judgment. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt, and a measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns again will overflow with prosperity, and the Lord again will comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Now the word here is redemptive, and it's interesting though, because it says the Lord was angry with the nations that were secure. They went too far in punishment which seems to be some strange common theme throughout history. It appears war will come to the earth almost for this reason as a consequence of this over-punishment. Could it be the nations, they love war too much? And kind of like Cyrus at the end, 
endless ambition does have its cost. Now, I do want to say something, too. So um, in that last episode, we mentioned the account of Cyrus dying, um, uh, you know, in, in a battle with Tamaris. There are other accounts. So this is a weird thing about ancient history. So that's Herodotus's account. Um, and, and I've always given this exclaimer about a disclaimer about Herodotus that um, one guy even saw this the other day. He was they, they said that Herodotus was a better screenwriter than a historian, though he was, you know, actually considered the father of history because he was one of the first. Um, there are other accounts of Cyrus's death. Some say he died peacefully in his home or his palace. Another one even says he, he died in battle, attacking uh, in a battle the Indians, Indian nation, uh, and nation and nation state or city state um, closer to India on the eastern side of his empire. Um, but the most commonly held understanding or belief is that he does die in battle with Tamaris. But I just wanted to say that that there are some historians out there that question the validity. Um, of the way Cyrus died. But beyond that, um, we have this common theme through history uh, that these world conquerors, they do. They love to war too much. Um, It was Robert E. Lee, after one of his battles, um, he he said something, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was, it, it it is good that war is so terrible that we would love it too much. Endless ambition has its cost. Interesting. The Lord said, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and my house will be rebuilt. Zechariah 1.18. Then I looked up, and there before me were four horns. I asked the angel who was speaking to me, What are these? He answered me, These are horns that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I asked, What are these coming to do? He answered, These are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could raise their head. But the craftsmen have come to terrify them and throw down these horns of nations who lifted up their horns against the land of Judah to scatter its people. And, and this is interesting. It's just like this short prophetic burst. And then I looked up. This is Zechariah 2. And there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I said, where are you going? He said, to measure Jerusalem to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, Run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it, and I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape, you who live in daughter Babylon, for this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. All right, so this is reassuring to the Jews in Israel. Now God directs his attention to Joshua, the high priest. Just like Zerubbabel was given the word by Haggai, 
Joshua, the high priest, is next, and it's a powerful moment of intercession. Really, it is. There, there will be three next to each other in this scene, the angel of the Lord, Joshua, and Satan or the devil. Zechariah 3, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right side to accuse him. Then the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It is, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge over my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Listen, high priest Joshua, you and your associates seated before me. You are men of symbolic things to come. I am going to bring my servant the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua? There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. And that day each of you will invite your neighbor to sit with you under the vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. Notice how the angel of the Lord said the Lord rebuke you, just like in the book of Jude. Now who is this angel of the Lord? Could it be Zechariah has this entire experience with the pre-incarnate Jesus himself who is visiting him, and maybe it is no wonder what he sees later about Jesus. What a powerful word of blessing on a nation and sin removed. Note how it didn't say his sin was forgiven, but removed. And let's say it was swept away, albeit only temporary, it was swept away. Joshua wasn't potentially the holiest man. In fact, for the devil to be accusing him, he must have had some doorway to accuse. But God chose him and rebuked the devil, gave him new clothes. The Lord rebuke you. See, the accuser of the brethren was busy at work trying to tear down God's people, and the Lord rebukes the devil. Have you considered something? I've been thinking about something. And if we know God's will for us and and something comes against it, don't we have the same right in prayer? The Lord rebuke you. The devil's job is to kill, steal, and destroy. Is something coming against your calling is accusation and strife? Ask the Lord if your prayer should change. How about sickness and disease or mental illness? Is this God's will for you? I don't think so. Not according to Isaiah 53, by his stripes you were healed. Maybe the right prayer is the Lord rebuke you sickness. Maybe there is an extended legal case and you need breakthrough and the accuser is behind it. The Lord rebuke you. Maybe there's a bully whose face needs to face another direction. I don't think we understand our authority sometimes like we should. Heard a lady the other day tell a testimony about anxiety swelling up in her as she went to bed at night, keeping her up. She said she could literally feel the anxiety swelling up in her. She said something came over her. Next, 
and she boldly told her body to stand down. And she not only felt peace, but immediately went to sleep. Sometimes I think we forget there's a spiritual battle raging around us, and we get caught up in the day-to-day things and trials and hardships, or even just, you know, medical professional or mental opinions of others. And we don't attack them spiritually the way we should. I heard another testimony about a lady in a neighborhood. She was sick and tired of hearing about break-ins in her neighborhood and car prowlers. That's people breaking into cars at night or, or just getting into cars, seeing if they're unlocked, kind of breaking in there, or even breaking windows, um, in case you didn't know that. And I didn't know this until we moved into a suburb of Seattle. Well, well this lady was fed up with uh, the car prowlers in her neighborhood, and there was even break-ins in the houses as well. And her neighborhood was always one of the safest around, but something had shifted. She decided to prayer walk the streets and declare God's protection over the neighborhood. And I wouldn't be surprised if she prayed something like, the Lord rebuke you. And with some aggressive intentions for the no more thefts, you know, she, she aggressively prayed that God would intervene and prevent this from happening. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, not in this neighborhood anymore, she said. She kept praying and believing a week later, there was a Facebook post of a man who was caught. He, he was caught, a, a man had actually caught a cow prowler and applied a bat to his legs. The, the prowler went to jail, and no one um, has any reports of break ins or prowlers ever since. The lady took authority over the neighborhood, changed the atmosphere via prayer, and God delivered. Now it's the safest neighborhood around, like it used to be. You know, so. This is a, a testimony of, of a lady praying, um, and God delivered, and the guy who was behind it, and there was probably many, many more, but one of them was caught, um, and something went out, um, and no longer do we hear about any you know, car prowlers or people breaking into homes in this neighborhood. It's an interesting testimony, and, and it, sometimes I think we don't pray um, in authority like we should. I mean, here we are um, in this scene, Zechariah is watching, and the devil's just, he's told the Lord rebuke you. Maybe, just maybe, we don't realize our authority. We fail to walk in what Jesus already told us to walk in. If your child is sick, are you really supposed to pray, God, please heal my son? Or if you're supposed to do something more aggressive? The Lord rebuke this sickness, or something like declaring Isaiah 53 over your child. I like what they said about Jesus. He preaches like one in authority. He does what he says. He practices what he preaches. The devils, the demons, they obey him. Zechariah continues, I like to consider Zechariah the, 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 prover- the proverbs of prophets because he's so short of words. Short, pithy prophets, prophecies with great power. Check out Zechariah 4. It's loaded. Then the angel who walked with me returned and woke me up. Like someone awakened from sleep, he asked me, What do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there's two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and one on the left. I asked the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? He answered, Do you not know what these are? No, my lord, I replied. 
For he said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Then I answered the angel, What are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? Again I asked him, What are these two olive branches besides the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, Do you not know what these are? No, my lord. So he said, These are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. So just right here we hear the famous verses, Who dares despise the day of small things, and not by might or strength, but by my spirit. This Zechariah is something. I mean, he hears such power from heaven. Now Zechariah has this angel, or Jesus himself, visit him repeatedly, paralleling the end of the age and something quite unusual. We see the personification of wickedness. Zechariah 5, 5. Then the angel who was speaking to me came forward and said to me, Look up and see what is appearing. I asked, What is it? He replied, It is a basket. And he added, This is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. Then the cover of lead was raised, and there in the basket sat a woman. He said, This is wickedness. And he pushed her back into the basket and pushed its lead cover down on it. Then I looked up, and there before me were two women, with the wind in their wings. They had wings like those of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. Where are they taking the basket? I asked the angel who was speaking to me. He replied to the country of Babylonia to build a house for it. When the house is ready, the basket will be set there in its place. So here's another vision, and this one speaks to trouble in the east. And maybe this was closer to the time period of Cyrus's death than we realize. Check out what happens here. Zechariah 4. I looked up again, and there before me were four chariots come out from beneath two mountains, mountains of bronze. The first chariot had red horses, the second black, the third white, the fourth dappled, all of them powerful. I asked the angel who was speaking to me, What are these, my lord? The angel answered, These are four spirits of heaven going out from standing in the presence of the Lord of the whole world. The one with the black horses is coming towards the north country, the one with the white horses towards the west, and the one with the dappled horses towards the south. When the powerful horses went out, they were straining to go throughout the earth. And he said, Go throughout the earth. So they went throughout the earth. Then he called to me, Look, those going toward the north country have given my spirit rest in the land of the north. So if you look into this, there's four spirits of heaven. All of them were released and went in these directions, north, west, and south. The spirit was given rest in the north. And I don't hold to understand this completely, I mean, seriously, but this is, there is something notable here. The direction of the compass that the spirit did not go was east in the direction of Babylon and Persia. Rest was not granted to these lands. Instead, we'll find out why, because they were restless for war. And I have to make a confession here. 
I used to think Zachariah was just out there, and I don't understand him. And, you know, in many ways, I still don't. Um, but with the understanding of history and context, um, I, I, got, I, have to under, I have to say I understand him a lot more than I used to, um, though he's so much more of a mystery. And it's that repeated lesson of message to kings. With context, we have a fuller picture of what truly happened. We conclude this episode with Zechariah's reflection upon the Lord in Jerusalem and his people. In addition, feel the wealth of high and low emotion in this prophet, in this prophecy. There is such power and vision and promise for the future, combined with the reality of the power of sin and its consequences, and the heaviness of the fear of the Lord accompanying his words. Zechariah 8. The word of the Lord Almighty came to me. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the high mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each of them with cane in hand because of their age. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem marvelous in the remnant of this people at that time, but it will seem marvelous to me declares the Lord Almighty. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. So you feel the promise in this statement. And Zechariah continues down this path. Yet he also issues a very strong warning against injustice. Zechariah 8.12 The seed will grow well, the vine will yield its fruit, the ground will produce its crops, and the heavens will drop their dew. I will give all these things as an inheritance to the remnant of this people. Just as you, Judah and Israel, have been a curse among the nations, so I will save you and you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid, but let your hands be strong. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Just as I had determined to bring disaster on you and show no pity when your ancestors angered me, says the Lord Almighty. So now I have determined to do good again in Jerusalem and Judah. Do not be afraid. These are the things you are to do. Speak the truth to each other and render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other and do not love to swear falsely. I hate all of this, declares the Lord. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page, or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.